This morning, you've jumped into week three of the series we've called Life Hacks. And this phrase, Life Hacks, has very much entered popular culture in the last few years, um, which we're defining a life hack as being a very simple and clever solution to an annoying problem. And uh, there was one little life hack there. Let me give you a few more. I like to be helpful uh, with this series. Uh, first one I actually thought about demonstrating, but uh, a little bit unwieldy. And that is, let me ask a question. How many of you have uh, or own or use a fitted sheet as the, as the bottom, bottom sheet of your, of your, okay, good. Now, okay, me too. Uh, how many of you, is it true that the last time that fitted sheet was folded flat and perfectly square was the moment just before you took it out of the packaging and it's never been flat and square? Do you know, yep, me too. Do you know it is actually possible, it is actually possible to fold a fitted sheet flat and rectangular. And, and I was gonna demonstrate it now, but it's, no, it's, I was gonna demonstrate it now. Uh, we have a king size bed and I have a, a Vesper and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get the sheet here, but go home, jump on YouTube. It is possible, life hack. Anyway, what I wanna do though, is give you a few little life hacks all centered around the use of a smartphone. We all have smartphones. We're all kind of addicted to smartphones. So let me give you a couple of life hacks dedicated to smart, smartphones. I was watching the Winter Olympics yesterday afternoon, a little snippet of that right up until the boring ice skating started and then I switched it off. Um, but I was watching the, the cross, the, 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 the snowboarding where they do the jumps and the tricks and they're on the thing. And here, here's, here's the headline. The headline is that the, 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 person, the guy that won the men's gold medal in that particular sport uh, at the Winter Olympics is 17 years old. You get three runs, three, three rounds. He actually slept through his alarm and turned up late for the first two runs. And then, and then smashed the third one and won the gold medal. But you gotta think, you know, this Winter Olympics gig only comes around once every four years. And it's probably, you know, if it's a weekly thing, okay, I slept through my alarm last week, but I'm here on time this week. No, every four years, you wanna, you wanna make sure you don't sleep through your alarm. Now, okay, you know. So, so, so if you're a heavy sleeper, what you do is you take your phone and you overnight and you put it inside a glass. Okay, glass must be empty of water, obviously. Uh, you put it inside a glass and the glass will act as an amplifier for your alarm in the morning. Boom, life hack. All right, has anyone got some sunglasses or glasses uh, like, uh, like that they would trust me with for a brief moment? I won't, no, mine don't work. I already tried this one. What do you got, big boy? All right, yeah, yeah. Oh, perfect. All right, so here's the thing. Here's, a, here's the thing. So, so you're cooking and, and you pull up the little recipe uh, instructions on your, on your phone and you think, but you need two hands for the, ch and, and, uh, and you didn't invest in a swanky uh, uh, stand like I did. Here you go, you get your glasses, right? And you open them up like that. This is excellent podcasting, obviously. <laughs> Boom, life hack. Uh, see, good, huh? Uh, third one, which also involves Jordan May, because I've 
done this uh, previously is when you lend something to somebody and they're not very good at returning them, this is what you do. You take, when you lend it to them, you take a photo of them. You got that one there, Johnny, next one. You take a photo of them with the object. That way, two things. Number one, you remember that they borrowed it from you. And secondly, when you go to get it back and they deny that they borrowed it from you, you have, talking to you, Jordan May, photographic evidence that they borrowed it. Life hack. Today I wanna teach about hacking satisfaction with generosity. And here's the thing about satisfaction. Satisfaction is like water. When we try to grab it and think it's gonna last, it'll, it'll literally slip through our fingers. Uh, three weeks ago, Louisa and I, we moved house. We moved into a new old house and uh, we've been doing stuff that you do when you move in, into a house. Um, I remember we, we started the, 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 the move in process. Every moving box that, that, that I took the last item out of and then got my little box cutter and, and, and flat packed that moving box and put it outside, every, every box was enormously satisfying. Some of you this week, I don't know if you caught the headlines, there was a, there was a news story uh, broke Monday morning. It said, a couple assembles furniture together and stayed married. That, that was us, that was us. We, Louis and I put, we put a wardrobe, a cupboard thing together on Sunday night and we're both still alive and still married. And uh, it's enormously satisfying. Uh, um, uh, We've, the house we, we moved from uh, was surrounded entirely by brick paving. So a jury, we would live there for eight years. And so early in that period, I owned a lawnmower, but uh, discovered that bricks don't grow. And so I gave the lawnmower away at the time, but the house we moved into has a, a little patch of lawn. Well, it, it didn't when we moved in, it was a little patch of sand, but uh, thanks to a good uh, partnership between myself and uh, Gavin Jones Gardening Services, official gardening supplier to Elevate Church, uh, in the three weeks that we've been partnering with, uh, with uh, his trusty sidekick, Brett McPherson, partnering, uh, my new uh, uh, patch needed a mow. And so Friday night, I paid a visit to Neil Gibb, you've probably seen him on television um, <laughs> recently, and uh, 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 AKA Mr. Bunnings and uh, bought myself a Ryobi uh, lithium ion powered uh, lawnmower, battery. It's like the Tesla of the lawn mowing world. And it's amazing. It doesn't even make noise. I had to put my finger underneath to know that the blade was spinning. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's fantastic, it works a treat. Um, and, uh, and I mowed my little patch of lawn and I, like, I couldn't wait for Louis to wake up. Babe, come and look at the lawn. It's enormously satisfying, enormously satisfying. But, but the satisfaction didn't last forever because for every box I flat packed, I realized now I've got to figure some way to get that to the recycling facility. And like I said, I ride a Vespa. Not very satisfying. The cupboards will soon need dusting and cleaning. And I'm the schmuck that has to do that. And so that's not entirely satisfying. And Neil, aka Mr. Bunnings, has, uh, you've probably seen him on TV recently, has, uh, <laughs> has, has reminded me that, that lawns grow back and, and, and that it's gonna need mowing again and that it's, every time you do it, it's gonna be less and less satisfying. So, buzzkill Neil. <laughs> Jesus actually taught some hacks that we can incorporate into our life that actually, if we build our 
our life on them and pattern our life after them can actually lead to long-lasting satisfaction. I want to teach from a little slice of, of what Jesus taught today. If you've got our Elevate app, you can open that and tap the Bible title. It's going to take you to a, a part of Luke, a guy named Luke who's a doctor uh, around the time of Jesus, uh, who actually, uh, it was actually after Jesus died and, and, and rose again, Luke was hearing the stories of the miracles that Jesus had performed and he was hearing um, the teachings that Jesus had taught uh, being passed on. And Luke actually went around uh, and backfilled um, by interviewing eyewitnesses, people that saw the miracles, people that heard the teaching and actually wrote them down. And, and it's now in our Bible, it's called the book of Luke. It's literally Luke's recording of eyewitness accounts of the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. And this is one little slice of Jesus' teaching where Jesus says in very, very plain spoken English, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. And here's the thing, this, this little slice, this little verse, this little bit of Jesus' teaching, I reckon this would be one of the easiest verses in the entire Bible for you and I to make it one of our top, in our top three list. At least when it comes to inbound fire. Because none of us like to be judged. And when we judge, get judged, we go, uh, excuse me, Jesus said, do not judge. Don't judge me, we don't like to be judged. In fact, there's a whole uh, thread on social media, hashtag don't judge me. I don't know if you've caught that. Uh, let me give you some examples of people posting reasons they don't want people to judge them. One guy posted, just ran eight kilometers, then bought a donut. <laughs> don't, hashtag don't judge me. Some, some, uh, some uh, this is just, it, it is a female uh, posting this one. Sometimes, when I'm sick of doing laundry, I just fold my husband's dirty clothes and put them back. <laughs> Hashtag, don't judge me. And then some guy, business guy writes, I alternate between two different McDonald's for lunch so the staff don't think I eat there every day. <laughs> Hashtag, don't judge me. <laughs> we don't like being judged. But you know, not only do we not like being judged in general, see if this one sticks, we don't like being unfairly judged. We don't like people judging us on actions that they actually misinterpret from our motives. We don't like being judged by people who don't know us very well. And we definitely don't like being judged by people who don't know the whole story and the context that it occurred in, yeah? So Jesus said, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Here's what I don't want you to miss. This pattern is a two-way street. It flows both ways, comma, and it starts with us. We take the lead as Jesus' followers. We take the initiative as Jesus' followers. We set the tempo. We set the pace. We set the climate. Do not judge. Do not condemn. And in turn, 
you won't be judged and you won't be condemned. And look, it's easy to crop ourselves out of this because you might be sitting there thinking, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not very judgy. I'm, I'm pretty easy going. Well, let me show you how the message version records it and see if maybe this one gets a little more traction. Do not pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Ever run someone down in the break room? Oh, let me tell you about. Ever joined the conversation when some of your colleagues were running someone down in the break room? Oh, really? You're kidding me. Gosh, that sounds right. Ever thrown shade on someone on social media? Because it's easy to be a keyboard warrior, right? Someone you know or someone you don't know. Yeah, typical. Ever picked on people, jumped on their failures, criticized their faults? Jenny can uh, confirm this for me. The Germans have a word called Schadenfreude. And, 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 and it doesn't translate into English in one word, but the, the essence of the meaning, this is our resident German, she may correct me later, but schadenfreude is actually to take pleasure in someone else's misery. To feel a little smug and a little better about yourself because someone else messed up. Jesus said it's judging. It's judging. And when Jesus says do not, it's not a suggestion, but it's also not something he's trying to limit us. Oh, Jesus, all he, all he ever does is tell me what I can't do and what I shouldn't do. No, he puts this up not to limit us, but to actually free us because he's got something better. He's got a better way that you and I can live because here's why judgment's a problem. Judgment's a problem first and foremost, when you get judgy, particularly about people and things and situations, you don't know the whole story, you'll be wrong more often than you wanna be wrong. Yeah, you just jump on and judge. You, you, you don't know the whole story. You, weren't, you don't know the motives. You, you'll be wrong more often than you wanna be wrong. So here's my little bit of coaching that I like to give people. Get really good at saying, I don't know. Oh, I don't like to say I don't know because it makes me look stupid. No, saying things that were wrong actually makes you look stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, so what's the real reason they did that? I don't know. Say I'm not actually qualified to comment. Oh, so what do you think about, you know what? I'm not really qualified to comment. Or this one, I actually don't know the person well enough to speak accurately into that situation. So I'm just gonna say nothing. Life hacks. Fun fact, do you realize you don't need to have an opinion on everything? I know, it's breaking news. <laughs> what? Um, uh, it's not actually something I've given much thought to. I say that. I have opinions on lots of things, but I don't have an opinion on everything. And if someone asks me something I, I don't really, uh, I'm like, it's not something I've given a lot of thought to, so why would I speak like I'm an expert? I'll just make myself look stupid. Uh, 
I'll, I'll have to get to know the person or the situation a little bit better before I can respond accurately to that. I didn't currently have an informed opinion. You know, another reason judging is a problem is that it poisons the well of your soul. And once poison gets into the well of your soul, it's real hard to separate that from the clean water. You think that judging other people poisons the well of their soul? It actually, first and foremost, poisons the well of your soul, which is probably why Jesus said, you first don't judge. And then you won't be judged. You won't actually live condemned yourself. You won't actually have poisoned your own soul. It's not that Jesus is saying don't because he wants to limit us. He's saying don't because he wants us to live free of this sort of stuff. But here's another reason that Jesus says don't judge. If you're someone who lives out a pattern of being judgy, you will, in a reasonable short period of time, attract an inner circle of toxic people into your inner circle. Because birds of a feather do indeed like to flock together and toxic people, it's amazing. They're like heat-seeking missiles. They find each other and they stick together. And if you're one of them, they'll find you because they'll love to sit next to you when you're being judgy and they'll jump right on in on that judgment party. And before you know it, you'll have an inner circle full of toxic people. We, we were at a, I was at a, a senior minister's offsite uh, several months ago, about a dozen senior ministers from churches around Perth. We spent a couple of days together just kind of learning from each other best practices. And we, we spent one session talking about how to handle criticism. Because here's the thing about leadership, not everyone likes all of the decisions you make. In fact, it's probably why Steve Jobs, the late great Steve Jobs said, if you want to make everyone happy, don't become a leader, go sell ice cream. Because leaders, we cop some criticism. And, 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 and so we were kind of just, you know, people were just riffing on how they handle it and, and process it and so on and so forth. And I didn't say anything for the entire session. Didn't contribute, didn't, didn't, didn't weigh in on that one. And at the end, just before the end of the session, one of the guys said, Mark, you've been quiet on this. Tell us, we'd like to learn. How do you uh, handle criticism? And I said, you know, the reason I haven't weighed in on this particular topic is I don't really get any criticism. <laughs> no, no, it's true. I say, literally, not any single one of you have criticised me. Literally, the only people that may or may not be criticising me are so distant that I can't even hear them. Because you guys don't criticize me, you come seeking understanding. Hey Mark, and, and you do that with each other. And so, and so what we have to learn how to handle is how to handle being more understanding. Well, that's an easy one to carry and not handle. So I said, I said if, if you hear people criticizing me, you can be assured I didn't hear them because they're so far away from my inner circle that, that, that I don't even hear them. Again, not that I do everything right, but it, that I've fashioned and, and decided to fashion in my own life a pattern of not being critical and judgy. And so those, I don't attract those people. And you can do it too. I know you can. And then Jesus said, forgive and you will be forgiven. This is the same dynamic as judgment. We don't like being judged and we don't like people not forgiving us. But Jesus is again, like he said with judgment is it starts with us. It's meant to be initiated by us. We're meant to be the ones who forgive first. And this can be an everyday thing. You're driving along two lane highway, 
You see the sign up there says lane closed, road works in the left-hand lane. So like a good law-abiding motorist, you put your uh, indicator on, you move into the right-hand lane and you see everyone else doing the same thing. And then you see in your wing mirror, that one guy who he's seen the same side as you, but he decided, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna go very, very quickly up the left-hand lane. And at the very last minute, just before the sign, I'm gonna pull in. And you see that and you struggle right then and there with forgiveness. I'm not even gonna get into if it's you that he's trying to pull in front of and you pull up bumper to bumper with the guy in front of you. No way, mate. I, I, I don't have time to get into that conversation, but, 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 but I can tell by, by your response that some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, this one. <laughs> uh, so I was in a, uh, a, a supermarket whose, uh, whose, uh, whose name I shall not... Uh, Disclose, although it rhymes with bowls, and uh, and I was in the supermarket, and I went through the and I and I and I went through the self checkout system. Went through the self checkout system, and you so, you know you put your I take my own bags in. I'm good. I'm good like that. You're all going to have to in June, thank God. Took my bag, put it there, scan, put it in. I'm about five items in, and the screen says, uh, "Please remove the last item from the bagging area." Remove from the bagging area. It doesn't tell you what to do next. I go, oh, I must be, I can just put it back in the bagging area. So I put it back in the bagging area and then those words come up on the screen. Please wait for assistance. (laughs) At that moment, this is no longer a self-checkout. It's an assisted checkout. That happened to me three times in that one shop. I didn't know who I shouldn't be forgiving. (laughs) The stupid programmer, you had one job. Or the lady who kept, you know, it doesn't matter, I'm not trying to be gender specific, it just happened to have been a lady, but. <laughs> I couldn't get her attention. <laughs> I struggled with unforgiveness <laughs> three times. <laughs> Self checkout should be an introvert's paradise. <laughs> uh, but that's the small stuff. What about the big stuff? What about the parent that walked out on you when you were young? What about the spouse that broke off your marriage? What about the business partner who financially ripped you off? That's the stuff that Jesus is angling towards and says to forgive them. And you know why forgiveness is so difficult? Forgiveness is so difficult because at the root of forgiveness, it requires us to not give the person what they deserve. We're happy to give them what they deserve. We call it justice, it's really revenge. Justice doesn't mean that and I'll talk about that another time. Justice should be more about restoration. But We like revenge. It's easier than forgiveness because forgiveness requires us to not give the person what they deserved. Yeah, they did something real bad. They did something that hurt you a lot. And and Jesus says, don't give them what they deserve. Instead, forgive them. And that's why it's so hard. Because you'll still have the memory. You'll still carry the scars. But with the memory and with the scars, Jesus nevertheless says, forgive. 
set them free. And, 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 and here's the thing. This is, man. you know, there's certain things that, that, that when I've read them and when I've learned them about the life of Jesus, they just absolutely blow my mind. But you know, probably maybe in my top three of the things that have blown my mind about Jesus is he rendered forgiveness in real time. Here's, here's the thing. If you don't know, come Easter, we'll, we'll be talking about it. But here's the thing. Jesus, who was innocent, by the way, was, was killed by a very gruesome form of capital punishment called crucifixion, where he was nailed to a cross and left to hang there and ultimately die of asphyxiation over a period of time. The, the people that hung him to that cross plucked his beard to mock him, spat on him, whipped him, physically, uh, so verbally abused him, drove nails into his hands as he was, as he was being nailed to the cross, right? And you know what Jesus said during that? Not, not later, during that, while the nails were being driven, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He rendered forgiveness in real time. They would have actually heard him say those words. They didn't get what they deserved. And by the way, when you bring your sinful life, the things you've done that are short of God's standard, and when I've brought that before God and said, God, forgive me, I wanna make Jesus my Lord and my Saviour. At that moment, God didn't give you or me what we deserved, but instead offered forgiveness. And that should be the power and the strength and the source of our forgiveness. Forgive because we've first been forgiven, not by the people that hurt us, but by God in heaven. When we hold unto unforgiveness, unforgiveness holds on to us. And Jesus says, don't live like that. Live free of that. And then he offers a third slice. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is the money one. <laughs> In case you missed it. Talked about judgment and being generous by seeking understanding and not judging. Be generous towards people by not judging them. He talked about forgiveness. Be generous by forgiving, by not giving people what they deserve. Be generous by letting them go. <laughs> and, then he, and then he talked about money. And see, the thing about generosity is it's not limited to money, though it does include money. A number of years ago, I had someone uh, in the days where people did criticize me to my face, um, wanna, told me that, that I shouldn't teach on giving because it makes some people uncomfortable. And I said to them, it's not my job to edit Jesus' teaching. <laughs> Who would I think I am to edit Jesus' teaching? Huh? Come on. Would you want to actually be taught by someone who just edits what Jesus taught? Or would you like, this is what Jesus said, I'm gonna teach it, whether it's comfortable for you or not. Well, I'll go the latter because if Jesus said, I wanna hear it. 
And I wanna hear it unpacked. And the thing about this is this is actually a word picture. And Jesus was, lived in a, in a very agricultural era. And when He spoke these words to the audience that He spoke them to, they would have understood this, but we don't understand this. This doesn't make sense. This word picture isn't clear to us. So let me explain very simply. This is, I mean, I'll explain it. And you go, oh, well, that's simple. But the point is, if you didn't live in that setting, you wouldn't get this. So here's what Jesus actually meant in this word picture. He was using a metaphor, a metaphor of people who were, were, were crop pickers, okay, wheat pickers. Their job is to go and gather the harvest, gather the, the wheat at harvest time. And what they would do, very it was all manual labour. They would take baskets, big woven baskets, out into the fields, they would pick the wheat and they would fill up those baskets and they would take those baskets in to the waste station and then they would get paid for, for, the, for the, the, the baskets that they brought in. Some people thought they could hack the system by sort of just lightly, just like feathering the wheat into the baskets just and leaving a lot of air pockets in there and, and then taking what seemed to be a full basket over to the way station, but really it wasn't full. It was full of air pockets. The enemy, Ikea's enemy is air. Well, these guys, it wasn't. And they, they had this, this basket that, was, that looked full, but it wasn't full. And so they'd take that to the way station and they'd say, I've got one whole basket here. And the person that would, would, whose job it was to pay out would actually take that and weigh it and say to them, no, you don't. You took shortcuts. You, you, you haven't actually filled this. You've only half filled this. Your responsibility was to fill it and fill it full. So no, I'm only gonna pay you for half a basket because you took shortcuts. You didn't do the job that was asked of you. You tried to cheat. You tried to hack the system. Instead, what, what you need to understand is you need to understand is I'm not gonna pay on one basket. I'm gonna pay on the weight of a basket. So if you were smart, You'd get that basket and you'd take it into the field and you'd put into it a good measure that was pressed down, shaken together, so you could keep putting more in, press it down, shaken together, press it down, shake it together like good Ikea packaging, press it down, shake it together, press it down, shake it together until there was so much in there, it was starting to run over. And then, then you'd know it was full when it was starting to run over that you couldn't press it down and shake it together anymore. And you'd bring that basket to me. You've gone the extra mile. You've done the absolute maximum, the best with what I've asked you to do. You bring that to me and you'd realise in a moment, you can actually earn twice as much, three times as much much as the guy that didn't press it down and didn't shake it together and was never interested in it running over. So you might look like the guy next to you. He's got one basket, you've got one basket, but you were smart enough to press it down, shake it together, press it down, shake it together, press it down, shake it together to the point that it started running over and you brought that to me. Guess what? You get paid more. That's what Jesus meant. Like that? Now, having said that, I don't think Jesus was proposing a get-rich-quick scheme <laughs> when He taught this. Yeah, God can bless you financially. For some of you, He has. For some of you, will. But it's not about a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not about drop a hundred bucks in the bucket and, and a thousand dollar check arrives in the mail tomorrow. It could. I know for people it has. That's happened to us before. But I don't think that was Jesus' motive. Because I think you have to understand these three, three slices were part of one package that Jesus was teaching. He said, don't judge, forgive and give. 
And all of them is about adopting a lifestyle and a posture of generosity. It's about, it's about understanding that we can actually hack satisfaction with generosity. We can actually experience long lasting satisfaction by not living judgy and, and not having toxic friends and, and, and not poisoning the well of our soul. We can live free by letting go of, of unforgiveness by people who yes, they did do the wrong thing to you, by you, but we can be generous towards them and live free. And then he talked about the money thing. And the thing about money is money. We are not meant to serve money. Money is meant to serve us and serve God's purposes, God's eternal purposes. And so for every single one of you, and and Louis and I included, when we give financially, we're actually sowing into Eternal satisfaction. And you can too. And I'm gonna get real practical. I'm landing this thing right now. Real practical. The judgy part, (laughs) the judgy part, don't judge. You have to start that when you walk out the door. You have to start that when you go to work tomorrow. You have to start that when you have the family gathering this afternoon. You have to start, you have to start that. I'm, I'm pretty confident you're not gonna be judging people on site in the next 20, 30 minutes, but, but, but you have to make the decision here and now. And I've, and I've known people that have done this, even recently. People have, 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 people have said to me, you know, I, in, in my workplace, people are so judgy and it's a toxic work culture and it's environment and everyone's this and this and this and this and this. And I'm gonna make the decision starting tomorrow that I'm no longer gonna join in on that. And I go, boom, done, go, go, go. Put into practice, might not be easy. Start with your L plates on, but you'll get better at it. And by the way, God will use you to change your workplace culture one millimeter at a time. So that could be the decision, the practical decision you need to make here and now. What about forgiveness? I'm gonna pray for you. For those of you who, <laughs> you didn't know I was preaching about this and t- teaching around what Jesus had t- t- to say, but you either already knew you were carrying around and holding on to some unforgiveness or it bubbled to the surface. That name, that situation, that memory. Why not let it go here and now. And if you're ready to do that, I'm ready to pray for you. And that is something you can do here and now. That is something that can happen here and now. I'm not gonna ask you to stand up. I'm not gonna ask you to put your hand up, but I'm gonna trust that some of you right now, you, you've got it in mind, somebody that you need to forgive for some reason. And I'm gonna pray for you right now. And, and, and then when I'm done praying for you, we're actually gonna have an opportunity to give financially because there's a, a real practical opportunity there. I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. God, for those of us here this morning that I'm trusting are making a decision to forgive, to, to, to not and no longer give that person or those people what they deserve but to live free, to live better. I pray that as that decision is being made now, 
that there's a confirmation that's coming with that. That there's a freedom that's coming with that. That there is a weight that is being lifted from shoulders right in this very moment. That God, we don't forgive in our own strength, we forgive because we first have been forgiven. With that same power available to us that Jesus had when he rendered forgiveness in real time, we choose to forgive right now. Now the money part. Some of you are already great givers. When I talk about giving, we talk about giving. We talk about taking next steps. We talk about taking next steps because it's very much a faith thing. It's very much a trusting God as your source thing. It's very much a, I got this much pay given to me from my job. I'm gonna prioritize God and take some of that. Even though I could find a perfectly good home uh, for it to, to reside in, like you know a, a, a bigger TV or just my bank account, I'm gonna actually take that and I'm gonna trust God that as I prioritize him, that he is gonna continue to meet all of my needs. Some of you have taken that step and I wanna encourage you like Louie and I do, keep going with that financial giving into God's kingdom. If you have taken that step, some of you, it may be time to, to take a slightly bigger step. You may have just taken a baby step, which is fine, it's a step. Maybe today, listening to what Jesus had to say, it's time to take a next step, shuffle along. Maybe you've been giving your first 3%. Well, 3%'s good. Maybe today is the opportunity to trust God and, and, and bump it to 4% or 5%. I, I, I'm not, I can't tell you, because it's, it's you and God in this moment that have to, make that decision. And then for some of you, and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna judge you because Jesus told me not to. Um, you haven't taken a step in this space yet. And so your first step, is your next step is gonna be your first step. And uh, I, I want you to experience the freedom that comes and the satisfaction that comes with investing financially into eternal things. And so we've got ways to give, it's real simple. We kind of put this up here, but I always think if you really wanted it, you'd figure it out for yourself. It's like if I said there's a, there's a million bucks hidden in a shopping bag here on, on the premises, I wouldn't have to tell you where it is, you'd find it. You'd, you'd make it a priority, you'd figure it out. So you figure it out, but we, we make it easy. You can give direct deposit. That's what Louie and I do. We set our bank account up. It just goes out every pay. Our Elevate app, you can give through there within 30 seconds, and the next time it'll take less than 10 seconds. 10 seconds, oh my God. Yeah, I know, sorry. Um, or we have envelopes on the, on the chairs. You can give that way. I'm gonna pray for that right now. But I'm not gonna pray that, well, I am gonna pray that the baskets are full because there's things that God wants to do with the stuff that's in those baskets that we give into. I'm gonna pray that there's a freedom that comes with you taking that next step. That, 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 that you're not a slave or a servant to money, but actually money is a tool and a resource that you actually deploy into the, the things and the purposes of God. Father, I thank you for every single person who calls Elevate Church their home, who says, I am Elevate Church. That, that gives financially, God, that, that you continue to give back to them. You continue to be their source. You continue to give them the everlasting and eternal satisfaction that comes with investing into your kingdom. God, I pray right now for those people that are actually being nudged by you, by your Holy Spirit, to take a next step, whether it's a first step or a next step in their giving journey, that, that, that from that comes an incredible release 
in their heart around finances. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, one of those options, as buckets go by, that's obviously for option three. And while that's happening, uh, I'm gonna go home and fold a fitted sheet, because I can. (laughs) 